Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. How are y'all? Everybody hanging in there? So, you know, fall is here. Um, I love it when it, it's probably my favorite season. And um, one thing that I forgot one of my in-laws bought me, I think two years ago, was um, an Instapot. Does anybody have an Instapot? Nobody has an Instapot? Oh, my word. All right, for some of you old school cookers out there or chefs out there, who's ever had a pressure cooker? Whose mama had a pressure cooker, right? So Instapot is basically just a pressure cooker. But there's a thing on this when I was learning how to use this Instapot. So you put water in it, and it's just, it basically cooks a chicken, a whole chicken, in like 25, 30 minutes because all the pressure and heat that it puts on this chicken. But there's a, a part of it that says, in the instructions, it says, before you get the chicken out, you have to release the pressure on the Instapot uh, or just let it come out naturally. But if you want to get it, you know, you don't want to wait 30 minutes for the for it to release the pressure, you can release it yourself. But when you release it, it makes a, a huge, like a pop. It's like a pow. And um, I remember the first time I did it, Kate thought like a gun went off. So what else ass? I was just in the pot, just in the pot. Um, but, you know, I felt like today that the Lord was saying to slow down because he wanted to release some pressure off people's lives, right? Because um, there's all these pressures that happen I mean, first thing, we have we have worldly pressure. How many of you know there's worldly pressure out there? If you look at anything on the Internet, the news, whatever, there's always something more you have to do, accomplish, become, one more thing you got to gain, right? I've told you this story before, but when I first bought my a house in Dothan, it's like everybody had to have the latest lawnmower. And if you didn't have the latest lawnmower, then you weren't as good as the next neighbor, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but there's always something out there. And, you know, the messages that the world sends you is never, <clears throat> they're never, like, uh, in your face. They're always subtle, right? Because the world always talks in pictures. But they show you all the things that you have to be, who you have to become, what you have to gain, what you have to do in order to be accepted in light. But, you know, religion has the same thing, right? So religion is not like in the book of James where it says that, you know, pure and undefiled religion is those that look over after widows and the homeless. Um Religion, what I'm describing, is the form and the activities that look like God, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. Right? Because we, if we're not careful, we will think that God thinks like us, and he doesn't. Like, he's not interested in us doing a bunch of things for him and doing a lot of activities that burn us out. What he is interested in is that you and I become one with him. Right? Because when you come to Jesus and give your life to Jesus, there's a union that happens. You know, John 17, Jesus prayed that they would maybe one with the Father and one with the Son. And so um, this morning, I want to just kind of uh, slowly go through some scriptures because if you're hearing this message and you have Jesus in your life, whether you know it or not, the Holy Spirit has made you one with Christ. Like there's no you out there and Jesus up here like he sees himself as covering your life and he sees himself as being responsible for your life it actually says in 
1 Corinthians, that it says, now Christ, who is your life? He's actually called your very life. And uh, we kind of have to, there's a merger that has to happen. And when you, we look at it this morning, I want you to see that Jesus sees you and has expectations on you that are much different than the world's. And I think if you'll capture that, if we'll capture that this morning, you're going to have a lot of pressure released. Okay, so let's go, to the, go with me real quick to 1 Corinthians 3. And I want to just say this to you when we're going through some of this this morning. A lot of, you know, Jesus is, he's very, a lot of the truths that he gives us are mysterious and sometimes you just have to receive them. Sometimes it's not easy to, you know, to, to teach you how to do a how-to. It's just sometimes you just have to believe what God's saying about us. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 2. <clears throat> look at verse 15. It says, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? Now watch. But we have the mind of Christ. Think about that for a minute. We may not always think like Christ, but it says that Jesus gave you his very mind that you have the mind of Christ, that you have the ability and the opportunity to think like him. You may not think like him all the time, but the scripture says that if we will begin to meditate on God's word and that we will look at his truth, that we will be transformed because he's already given you his mind, right? He's already given you his spirit. And so this morning, I want us to start thinking about ourselves the way that God thinks about us right? Because if you don't see yourself the way that God sees you, you'll spend your entire life trying to perform for God to try to get his acceptance and attention, which, which he's already given you through Jesus. Are y'all here? Okay. So let's do this. Go to Luke 4. I just wanted that to be a reference point for us. And we're going to look at this, the baptism scene of Jesus. And when you're going there, let me just say that there are only two recorded instances in all of Scripture where there's an actual dialogue between God the Father and God the Son. I'm not saying that they didn't talk all through Scripture. I'm saying for us, there's only scripturally recorded two times where you actually hear the Father's voice written down and spoken to Jesus, and this is one of them. So Luke, did I say three? Luke 3. Go to Luke 3, verse 21. It says, When all the people were baptized... It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. I was looking at this again last night. And what I love about this is that when Jesus was baptized... It says that the Holy Spirit came upon him, not like a dove, but like, it came upon him like a dove, but it came upon him in bodily form. So the Holy Spirit at Jesus' baptism actually clothed all of Jesus. 
Jesus was 30 years old when he began his ministry. Before that, before age 30, you never see recorded miracles in Jesus' life because everything that Jesus did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit as a model for us that, of something that we can do when we walk totally covered by the Holy Spirit. Because First John talks about, so just as Jesus Christ is in the world, so are we. So when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see you separate from himself. He sees you as one with him. He sees you with the same mind. He sees you with the opportunity to have the same Holy Spirit. He sees you with the same love. Now watch. It says, when the Holy Spirit came upon him in bodily form, it came upon him like a dove. The dove was a symbol of peace. One of the ways that you know you're walking in the presence of the God and you have, you're thinking his thoughts and are connected with the mind of Christ is that your life is filled with peace. Think about that for a minute. How often this week did we not feel peace? A bunch of times. It doesn't mean you don't have the mind of Christ. It just means that something interfered with the way you were thinking in that moment to put your mind on things of the world and not on Christ. And your body and your emotions are a reflection of what's going on. When there's no peace, that, that just means that the Holy Spirit is not being connected with. He's still there, but sometimes my mind gets off of him, and when that happens... There's no peace. But when I'm in communion with him, how many of you know peace floods your body? You see how this works? Because the mind of Christ has already been given to you. You don't have to work for it. You just have to choose to set your mind on what God is saying and doing and telling you about who you are. Are you here? All right. So the Lord said to him, now watch. This pen is annoying me because I think I'm on trip on it. Um, Jesus had not done anything anything in his ministry yet he's age 30 he's just beginning he hasn't healed anybody he hasn't preached a sermon he's had a little dialogue with john the baptist and that's it and the very first thing that jesus the son hears from god the father is this you are my beloved son and you i'm well pleased How many of us begin our day or are in the middle of our week and, and think that about ourselves? That before you've done anything, before you've gone to work, before you've made the grade, before you've made any money, before the house is clean, that you hear the father saying, my son and my daughter, you are my beloved. In you, I'm, in you I am well pleased. Isn't that awesome? How would that change how does that change us? Does that not release pressure? Think about that. How does your activities change? How does your life change when we begin to believe that the very thing that Jesus... See, Jesus said this, may the same love, Father, that you have for me be for them. Jesus, the Father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. And the Father is saying the exact same thing over you as he said over Jesus. You are my beloved, and you I'm well pleased. Before you did anything, right? Before, you're, before Alabama or Auburn or the high school team won or lost, I know that may, I know, I know how that feels when your team's losing. But the Lord says, you are my beloved, and you I'm well pleased. Notice how he imparts that. He says, you, you are. See that? It's an identity impartation. You, you are. You are. 
If the son, Jesus needed to hear that, how much more do we need to hear that? Right? Isn't that true? You are. And listen, I don't, I've never, again, the message of the world is very subtle. It doesn't come out and say, you got to do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and then you'll measure up. It doesn't say that. It just makes you feel that. It just infers that, right? It's just a subtle message, but the subtle messages are also very powerful. But God is saying, you are my beloved son or daughter, and you I'm well pleased. Now watch this in Luke 4. Just go over just across the page. We talked about this a little bit, but we're not going to go through the whole temptation scene of Jesus because we talked about it last time. But just, just look at the first one, the first one in verse 3. So the devil is tempting Jesus in the wilderness. This is after he's been baptized. This is after he heard the Father's voice. And in verse 3, it says, And the devil said to him, If, catch that small word, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God. Did you hear, do you hear the difference? Do you see how Satan took something very similar to what God said about Jesus and twisted it and turned it just enough? By the way, that's what wickedness, the, the, the term of wickedness means to twist. The enemy takes truth and he twists it just enough so it becomes wicked. Because what did he say to Jesus? Jesus <coughs> excuse me. The father said, you are, you are my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. But the devil said, if you are, not the beloved son, but the son of God. There's a big difference between being the beloved son and being the son, right? Fathers have many sons, but there's a big difference between being beloved and just being a son. The father said, Jesus, you are my Beloved son, the enemy said, if you are, conditionally, if you really are, do this and prove yourself to me that you really are the son of God. If, have you ever heard that? If, maybe the enemy has said that to you. If you're really going to be a success, then you need to be able to do this, this, and this. If, right? I know we're in football season. And I want to just sit, share this with you after playing ball in, in, in high school and college. You know, the, the last step for a football player from college is, to get, is, is professional football, the NFL. Did you know that there are over, I think it's over 200,000 high, high school football players in the whole United States? And it's less than 0.1% actually make it in the NFL. I was talking to a team one time. Uh, I was in, in Dothan. I was talking to the football team on a Friday chapel. And I, I said that to them, and you could have heard a pin drop. A pin drop. And then I started reading statistics about NFL football players. You know the average life, you know that the average career for a football player is three years? An NFL football player is three years. Isn't that crazy? Now, we know people that have, Tom Brady have played forever and all that. Average, average is three years. Do you know what the average lifespan of an NFL football player is? Lifespan, like how long they'll live? It's 56 years old. 56 years old. Stories you don't ever hear about. But what happens? A young athlete goes, if you are, 
going to be a truly successful people per person. You need to make it into the NFL. You need to make it into college football. You need to score this. You need to tackle this. If you do this, let's just switch, switch gears. If you are a successful person, you need to have this, and you need to do this, and you need to become this, right? Is it, are y'all catching something? Because we're taking, we're, we're, we, remember we started by saying we, we have the mind of Christ. It's time for the body of Christ to start thinking like Jesus Christ. Because the world needs to feel love. And if we don't feel it, how are they going to feel it? Because we've been given the gospel and the bodily presence of the Holy Spirit to bring that to the world. But it's got to be real here before we can take it out there. Are you with me? So John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. The enemy comes in to first to steal. He'll steal a little something. And then he wants to kill. And not just kill, but then he wants to destroy. But see, when we give ground to the devil, he always takes an inch and then another inch. And then he takes a half a mile. Then he takes a mile. Then he wants the whole state or the whole country. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and not just life, but life more abundantly. But the enemy wants to take ground by first starting with a thought that is not from the Father. And so when we begin to take our thoughts and say, hey, Lord, this thought I can't control where a thought comes from, but I can control whether I let it stay or not in my mind and then replace it with what God is saying. So if you ever hear, if, 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 you got to go do this, if, 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 you can say, I am the beloved son or daughter of God in whom God is well pleased. See how you do that? You just switched it with truth. And the enemy will come again and you just give him the same thing. You just give him truth because what happens is he hates truth because he walks in darkness and truth is light. So when darkness, he comes with darkness and you give him light, it burns him. It cuts him. He hates it. You can't drop a nuclear bomb on the devil and destroy him. He's already been disarmed. How do you, how do you cut him? You cut him with the word of God. He hates it. Are y'all with me? All right. Go with me to Mark 7. Yeah, Matthew 17. Excuse me. So we're going to go to the second, the second recording of when the father is actually spoke to the son. And let me just say this to you real quick that this is on the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm going to just edit a part of this story just to, to save time. But basically, Moses and, and Elijah had came to meet with Jesus on the mountain and the true essence of Jesus was was shown like his face became like the sun the glory came out of him and Peter James and John got to see the whole thing right and then look at verse 4 Peter sees all this and goes then Peter answered and said to Jesus Lord it is good for us to be here if you wish let us make here three tabern tabernacles one for you one for Moses and one for Elijah. 
And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. This is the second time that's recorded that we hear the Father's voice come to the Son. And what was, the, what was said from the Father? The exact same thing that was said at the beginning of his ministry. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Because Peter, see, this is where this religious thing comes in. Sometimes we have an encounter with God or sometimes we hear a message or sometimes we get in worship, whatever it is, or maybe it's just something that's the latest fad in the Christian movement and we feel like we got to go out and just start doing a bunch of stuff. Have you ever been there? Okay, so you've never had telephone calls from people like when, like I know I shared this a billion times, but when I was a youth pastor, the summertime was the busiest time and we used to wear people's phones out because we needed volunteers. <laughs> And we call them, call them, call them, which is good. You need to serve. You need to, be, you need to give away, but according to the grace that is on your life, right? You don't want me in the nursery. Love kids, but you don't want me in the nursery, right? But what happens if we're not careful is that, remember, there's also a religious system that says you have to go do more. You have to be more. You have to gain more. If you're not careful, we won't realize that if it's not Jesus that's sending us, that we may be building things that are not from him. That's what Peter did, right? Peter had this encounter, and Peter's natural tendency was to go out and, hey, 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 let me build something. Let me build three tabernacles, which are booths or like little huts. For you, for Moses and Elijah, Jesus, we're going to hang out here all day. Let's just, you just build this thing and you just, you just guys come in here and have a good time. But, and the father's voice said, this is my beloved son, hear him. Isn't that awesome? The Lord will lead you into certain things. I understand that. But he'll never lead you into something and put a condition on it saying, if you don't do this, then I'm not going to love you. It's never his voice. It's never his voice. If you don't do this, then you can't be a part of this fellowship. That happens a lot in churches. It hasn't happened here. Thankfully, we don't have that here. But it's possible for you to be in certain circles and to feel the feeling that you're not accepted because you have not done a certain thing in a religious order that makes you to feel loved and accepted. Listen, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're already completely loved and accepted, and there's nothing you have to do to gain anything more. Isn't that awesome? That's what freedom looks like. That's what grace is. So this discussion continues at the transfiguration where Peter goes, Jesus, then what is this thing about Elijah? Why, who is Elijah? And they realized that Elijah was also the person of John the Baptist. 
it wasn't that he was the actual person, but Elijah had a prophetic gift on his life, right? And in the New Testament, the old scholars, the old Jewish scholars said that Jesus will not come back until Elijah comes first. And Elijah didn't come back in the way they thought he'd come back. They came, he came back in the, in the form of John the Baptist. It was the gifting, right? It was the gifting. And the scripture later says in that transfiguration passage that they realized that Jesus was talking about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist had the same ministry that Elijah had as a prophetic ministry. But what was the purpose of the ministry? Have you ever thought about that? Right? It wasn't to condemn people. It wasn't to beat people up. It wasn't to put people down. That's what the old covenant did, by the way. The old covenant always put a condition on you or me to do something in order to feel accepted. That was the Old Testament. That was the Old Covenant. The New Covenant said, you are my beloved son or daughter because of Jesus. Think about that for a minute. So the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of prophecy, came to build people up, to bring them to Jesus, to prepare people's hearts for Jesus. Go with me real quick to Malachi. If you want to know where Malachi is, it's the very last book of the Old Testament. You guys doing okay out there? All right, good. So the very last book of the Old Testament, the very last passage of the Old Testament, but before the New Testament has an interesting verse or a few verses. And look at, the, look at verse 5. And Malachi was a prophet in himself, but he said this. Verse 5 said, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Now just think about that. Elijah had already been on the earth. But he said he's going to send Elijah the prophet. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So before, as the Old Testament is closing out and the New Testament is beginning, Malachi sends this incredible prophecy. It says that Elijah is coming to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children's hearts to the father, lest I strike a lamb with a curse. Well, we already know in the spirit that the father's heart has been turned to the children because we already learned that you are his beloved in whom he is well pleased. So the second part of that whole Mission is to turn our hearts back to the Father. I'm not talking about, yeah, you know, there's, you hear this from a lot of different preachers when they talk about sin and come back to the Father. I'm not really talking about that. If that's you, then don't, run, don't walk in darkness, walk in light. Stay away from sin. You may do it every, every now and then, mess up. Just ask for forgiveness and move on. But don't habitually walk in sin. Because it's darkness. You want freedom, and freedom is in the truth. But what does it say? It says, you turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. He's also saying that he doesn't want us going out to do a bunch of religious stuff to try to impress the father out of performance. He wants to take the pressure off so that we would rest in the blood of Jesus Christ. Our hearts would return to the father because we understand now it's all about grace. Isn't that awesome? If you would have taught me this when I was 13 years old, when I rededicated my life to the Lord, you would have, the Lord, not the Lord, but 
the church would have saved me a lot of religious activity, which a lot of it was unnecessary. Have you ever been there? Some of it was really good, but some of it was a mixture. The hardest thing about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, New Covenant, by the way, the Old Covenant, people still bring it into pass today. The hardest thing is that when you have a mixture between Old Covenant truth and New Covenant truth, the Word of God is completely God's Word, so the Old Testament is completely God's Word, but you have to read it through the blood of Jesus Christ. Have to. Because you're in a new covenant. You're in a new place. And we can go and do a whole series just on the new covenant, but if you, if you want to learn about the new covenant, just remember this. It's Jesus. It's all Jesus. And there's nothing you can do to gain anything more just to receive that you are his beloved. And in him and in you, he is well pleased. Are y'all with me? All right. Last, last passage here. Go to 1 John 3. I know we're going over a lot this morning, but I felt like we just had to get this in. Um, it's, it's really important because if we don't get this settled, if we don't get this settled, here's the thing. Striving and trying will take you out of the spirit so quickly that it'll blow your mind. You know what I mean by that? Trying to impress God by performance is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And there's no power connected to it. You do not need, you don't need more sermons and messages, okay? Remember, when Jesus was baptized in the Spirit and came through the wilderness experience or came through the temptation experience in the wilderness, he then went out to preach the gospel and the people said, he teaches the gospel or teaches the message with authority, not like the scribes. There's a lot of people that teach, but how many of you know that New Testament teaching is not just about learning a bunch of knowledge, but having an encounter that sets people free? And if we don't have this settled, and we're going to get it settled today, that we are the beloved, and God is well pleased with us, when that is settled, we'll never go out and try to do things for God to try to impress him, but instead we'll take up the purpose of Jesus Christ and advance his kingdom in the world by his power that's come upon us in bodily form through the Holy Spirit. Are you here? We've got to get that settled as the people of Christ. We have to get this settled. Too many books and conferences and all that have been sold over teaching the body of Christ on how to do things. But if those things are not leading us into a deeper revelation that we are the beloved of Jesus Christ and that he's well pleased with us, something's wrong. And there's been made, people have made millions of dollars on it. Millions. Send it for y'all. I'm just... Maybe someone will see this on somewhere else. And I mean, it's just it, because, see, I was the guy, the youth pastor that would go to the conferences. And there was a lot of great stuff going on at the conferences, don't be wrong. But I also knew that there's a lot of stuff that gets sold out at the conferences. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good. And if you leave a place or a meeting and you feel like you're not worthy or you're not good enough or there's something more you got to do, just ditch that stuff and let it go. Because you are the beloved and Jesus is well pleased with you. All right. Look at verse 15, 1 John 2, just go over a little bit. Verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, watch, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, 
is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but, God, but he who does the will of God abides forever. What he says, he says, if you have the love of the world in you, that the love to be accepted, to do more, to gain more, to be more, in, in order for you to become somebody, he says the love of the Father is not in you. Why? Because what is the love of the Father? In you are my beloved, in you I am well pleased. That's the love of the Father. That's all that's ever needed. See, that gets established. And you can look through the Ephesians. We don't have time today. You can look through the book of Ephesians, and Paul is exhorting the church in Ephesus over and over again about this one promise. You are loved. You are loved. You are accepted. You Over and over again. Why? Because he knows that the church is his body, and now we have a purpose to go out and advance God's kingdom through the Holy Spirit. Right? We don't just... We're loved, but we have a message, don't we? We have a message. We're not trying to preach the message for performance. We're preaching the message because Jesus has come to advance his kingdom in the world. Flip over to 1 John 3 with me and just look at this real quickly. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 7. It says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Notice he's saying practice, okay? He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Now, let me just say right now, if you go mess up tomorrow, don't run and say, I'm from the devil, I'm from the devil. Not, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about a habitual practice. You may mess up, that's fine, but don't habitually practice sin. Habitually practice righteousness. Because why? Because you are Righteous. You don't gain righteousness by performing. You gain righteousness by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The whole book of Romans is written for that. Now watch this. Verse 8, second half. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. You are, and I am, the body of Christ. Your mission and my mission through the Holy Spirit is to go destroy the works of the devil. He's already been disarmed. He's already, the authority has already been given to you through the blood of Jesus. The Lord says, go destroy the works of the devil. Set the captives free. But if we're sitting back trying to figure this stuff out and trying to perform and trying to gain more and do more and be more just so that we can feel accepted, we're on the world's territory. We're on his, their ground, and there's nothing we can do to be effective. But that's not who we are. We are the beloved. In you, the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, is well-pleased. And through the Holy Spirit, as you walk, without trying and striving and beating yourself up, but through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God on your life and the giftings of God and the unity of the church, you will go destroy the works of the devil. And you'll have fun doing it. Let's stand up. Oh, Lord, that was a lot. Let's pray, y'all. Father, this was all weekend, Father.
as I've always said, Lord, you always get me first with the message to correct, to change, to move me to a place. To remind me, Father, that achievements apart from you are just dust. Father, we thank you that you know we have a purpose. We thank you that we have rewards in heaven. We thank you that you want to bless our lives. We thank you that, Father, that we are, uh, that we are, some, uh, we are a people that are loved and accepted because of Jesus. And we know that everything we have, Father, that we do not live in obscurity, we don't want to go and hide in a corner, but we know that everything we have, everything you've given us is through Jesus Christ. And he gets all the glory, Father. He gets all the glory. We don't get it. He gets it. But because we are one with him, we are free. Thank you for reminding us this morning. Father, seal this on our hearts and our minds, that we have the mind of Christ, that we have been filled, Father. We have been clothed with the Holy Spirit and that we are the beloved in you. I'm well pleased, the Father says in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.